The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Soybeans, soybean meal, and cattle futures were the leaders to the upside with positive money flow seen across most commodities on Friday. Welcome into Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Always a pleasure to be here with you as we wrapped up the week on Friday and got another solid market day throughout grains and throughout the livestock trade as well. We saw money flow really positive the first three days of the month of March. We're going to talk about the state of the markets, some of the money flow to wrap up the week of trade. We'll be joined coming up here in segment two and three by Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. He will be with us to give his thoughts on the market trade, give some thoughts and recommendations for farmers who are looking at things here, looking at the books ahead of spring planting season we know there's been some farmers selling out in the countryside as of late we're gonna we're gonna dive in and talk about things with Dwayne coming up here later in the show also we have other news headlines in agriculture to take a look at here on today's show fertilizer prices they have been coming down but yet interest rates going higher borrowing money's getting more expensive we're going to be talking about some of those issues. We're also going to look at some of the issues facing railroads right now with weather and labor challenges there. Those stories and more coming up here at the end of the show today. Kicking things off, though, comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. I talked to Arlen around midday on Friday, got his thoughts on some of the positive money flow in the markets. We discussed first the soybean and meal moves and how we've seen some good positive strength there. The last couple of sessions, we talk a little bit about corn and wheat. We look at the livestock trade and talk about the broader financial market as well. Again, here are comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. Yeah, we saw a sharp sell-off in late February, and a lot of it was uh, liquidation, especially in the meal market and the bean market, liquidation of ownership ahead of the rolling contracts. Now that we're in the new month, we're seeing some of that money coming back in, providing a little bit of support. We did some chart damage in late February. So the question is, how much can we recover? Can we actually go to new highs? I'm a little bit skeptical of that at this point, uh, particularly with the big crop that Brazil has, which it continues to harvest, and it has plenty of crush capacity as well to make up the difference for what Argentina has and what it's not able to import in order to crush. So I'm a little bit wary of making new highs for this market, but for today, the new money and the optimism about the drought in, Brazil, in Argentina is supporting green on the screen with double-digit gains in soybeans and some pretty healthy gains for soy meal as well. 
I know with wheat, we're relatively mixed there. Corn, a little bit of spreading between old and new crop, it looks like. Any any thoughts a little bit more with wheat or corn today? Wheat continues to struggle. There's just no export demand for it. You can argue that we can't afford to export any because our supplies are tight. Um, but uh, I, I think this is a market that's still struggling to find value in the near term, and that'll probably remain the case until a new headline comes up to kind of wake up the market. The world supplies are tight. On the corn side, I think there is hope that we will get some business with Argentine's crop being so short. We're not seeing evidence of that business yet. We're still way behind where we normally should be for this time of year. Um, But China has been sniffing around and I believe making some purchases. We are a cheap supply of corn in the world market right now. And uh, so therefore the market is finding some support beneath it. Over in the protein sector, looks like a pretty solid day in cattle led by the feeder cattle market. Hogs just quiet here today. Any thoughts uh, with livestock? We've had a couple of down days in the live cattle market, and now we're seeing a robust uh, finish of the week for the market. Generally, expectations that we're going to see some active cash trade either late this afternoon or into tomorrow at generally $1 to $2 higher. Feeders remain in control of this market. Even though it's the first of the month and formula cattle are available, they're still very confident that uh, the longer-term fundamentals are on their side and that they've got the upper hand in these negotiations, and the board's starting to reflect that once again today. And real quick, supporting, I know, this broad money flow into commodities is the outside markets. Uh, here, some of those recession fears appear to be relaxing a little bit. Stock market decently higher today. Crude oil is now higher. Any thoughts on the outside market trade? Uh, Europe's really leading the way higher today with it coming in with some better economic data than anticipated. They believe they're past peak inflation. It's kind of a a following the pattern here in the United States that we've seen the last several months where they think, oh, inflation has peaked and on its way down and the economy is more resilient than we thought. Perhaps we can avoid recession. I think we're going to see a dose of reality come, though, when the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank, I think, will both come out with a joint or not necessarily or a joint message, but a consistent message that uh, they need to bring inflation down to the mandated levels with higher rates and lo- for a longer period of time than anticipated. But for today, optimism reigns, and, and uh, that's causing a weaker dollar and helping support the commodity sector. And once again, that is commentary and analysis with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. He joined us around midday on Friday during the market trade action. We appreciate his time and insight. Coming up again, we're going to keep the market discussion going as we talk with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. Want to take a look at one news headline story here. We'll have more later in the show, but Doug McCaleb, He's pretty busy in his new role as chief agricultural negotiator with the U.S. Trade Representative's office. At the recent USDA Ag Outlook Forum, McCaleb talked about some of his top priorities. The first focus would be on keeping markets we have open. A lot of work has been done over decades of opening those markets in the first place. And our number one priority is to make sure that farmers continue to enjoy that market success. Number two, expanding where possible in the areas where we can increase volumes to those trading partners or maybe increase the number of products. That's certainly a second and very important area of focus for us at the White House. 
One of the biggest jobs at USTR is bringing down tariffs and opening up more access to foreign markets like India. On February 2nd, India announced several changes to its tariff structure that are pretty significant for agriculture. Firstly, they reduced the pecan tariff by 70%, which was a very significant step. Secondly, India also eliminated its tariff on industrial ethanol, which, as we know, is a very important marketplace as U.S. grain and row crop producers look to export biofuels around the globe, not just for industrial purposes, but for certainly transportation and most recently for aviation. India also reduced tariffs on certain feedstocks. He says the U.S. is also making progress in the EU. European Union, just at the beginning of January, some post-Brexit work was done to solidify markets, which will make a, a big difference for wheat, corn, frozen beef, rice, and almonds. And so that's a very big step for U.S. farmers as well. Again, that's USTR Chief Agricultural Negotiator, Doug McCaleb. All right, coming up next, we will dive back into the market trade and discuss the action that we saw Friday wrapping up the week. Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing, he joins us next, back with more market talk on the way right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, wrapping up the week on Friday, we saw strength once again in soybeans, soybean meal. The corn market was okay. Cattle futures had a strong day as well to wrap up the week. Really just general positive money flow across commodities. Here to run through the week of trade with us and discuss, we say hello to Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing joining us here today. Dwayne, good to catch up with you again, buddy. I hope things are going well for you there in uh, Northeast South Dakota. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Like you say, we're moving a little snow every once in a while up here. It's right <laughs> along the North Dakota, South Dakota corridor. We keep getting pounded by snowfall, and it looks like a Sunday night's our, our next chance again, I guess, but... Whatever, we've got equipment for it. We just do it. At least it's March now, Jesse. So, I mean, it, it, it is going to come to an end sometime here, I promise. <laughs> yeah, sometime it's going to come to an end, and, and we just hope that that is good moisture that eventually melts into the ground uh, just to help out with, you know, mm -hmm. trying to make up some of that deficit from droughts and whatnot across the across the plains i think for folks who have snowpack that's that's the hope at least anyway Dwayne. right yeah well and you know what it will do is it definitely is going to get the missouri and the mississippi river levels back up to where they need to be which needed to be done you know i, I mm -hmm. can sit here and say i don't like snow but uh i like the export market though so i can't have both <laughs> i guess <laughs> well let's uh let's talk a little bit about that export market and just everything in general uh soybeans meal you know, we started the week and, and really the end of last week, a lot of technical damage done to those charts to round out the month of February. But then we flipped the calendar to March, new month, new money flow, and three days in a row to wrap up the week of a, a fairly positive soybean, soybean meal trade. What's your yeah. thoughts uh, there just to kind of start our discussion today? Yeah, you kind of nailed it, you know. It, the end of end of February was pretty ugly for these markets, right? I think a lot of it, Jesse, was that March option expiration. Put options that were in the money were being exercised or, you know, they had to get out of their positions, one of the two. And that makes for some screwy markets. And that's starting to happen that last week of February more often. The other thing that I'm learning is happening more and more is, you know, Brazil, as they harvest their crop, they actually use our board of trade to sell on. 
And you know how it is for us in December for corn, right? It seems like a lot of farmers selling. Well, there's a lot of South America farmers selling on our board now during the last couple of weeks of February. So I think that all kind of dove down to a lower market. Then the problem is all that option expiration and the farmer selling from Brazil pushed the market low enough. That then the chart looked horrible. So then you had technical selling on top of it. So just kind of, well, and then we probably just went further than we should have been, Jesse. And I think that's why you're seeing what you just mentioned. You know, last three days have not been bad at all. Nice recovery. You know, you flip the calendar and nice recovery here. And so I mean, back above the trend line, what I want to see didn't quite get above that 20 day moving average and hold. We're right there at the end of the day today. So yeah, good, good trade. Still looks like a strong bullish market. Well, and it's interesting you bring up the fact of just how global our market is, you know, how global our board is with, you know, Brazilian farmers selling on our board. I mean, that's that's yep. an interesting thing to think about here when you throw in all the the technicals and the funds and the and the macro points in these markets, et cetera. I think that's something that maybe folks don't, you know, generally think about that could, you know, lead to volatility one way or another, Dwayne. You're exactly right. You know, there's a there's a lot of trade that makes up these markets, right? And, and you know, five years ago, Brazil wasn't that huge that there wasn't that much selling. And, and there are farmers there are learning more about hedging and how to hedge. And yeah, they do it on our board, believe it or not. So I think what I'm trying to say is get used to it. I think that last part of February, if they've got a big crop like they have this year, you're going to see basically farmers selling on the board and it pushes it down. And like I said, that then... So that suddenly starts and then the chart pattern gets broken. So there's there's a lot to every day. We're not just making the stuff up all the time anyway. There's actually <laughs> something to it. <laughs> well, and, and looking at the soy complex as a whole here, obviously a good wrap up to the week, but just seeing the way the action was and how quickly we could come down, I think that's maybe a good reminder that these markets could slip out from underneath us at any time. So I'd have to think, yeah. you know, in soy, especially here, protecting some of that downside risk is going to be crucial the next couple of weeks, Dwayne. You're you're absolutely right. That's probably the good thing about, you know, even for a bull like myself, right? Everyone knows I've been kind of the bullish one hanging on to too much old crop supplies and not doing a lot of new crop hedging yet. And even though you and you and I have talked about risk management and things you can do, we've been patiently waiting. So this pullback when it happens, the sell-off makes a guy kind of nervous and, and farmers in general too. And I'm talking to a lot of farmers, it seems like they're that 20% hedged in this area on new crop. And that's, that's not much, right? If this market's going to tank. So the good thing about this pullback, you watch a lot of guys are going to be looking at the spreadsheets and maybe making a marketing plan going forward. And, you know, you always say the same thing, right? It gets back up there. I'm going to sell. And these pullbacks like this usually do actually help for me to make marketing plans for guys of like, yeah, you know, $14 beans is okay to sell. Uh, so make some marketing plans when we get back up there. Let's go ahead and sell some. And, you know, if you need to on these downturns, you know, you buy some courage calls above the market if you want. That way it gives you the courage to sell. Um, I'll keep rambling if you don't mind, Jesse. That one I like this week was August short dated 650 courage calls for corn. Mm -hmm. Now, so that, yeah, it costs about 11 cents. And that's, I like to get them as cheap as possible, like everyone does right now. I'm not saying that that's going to make a person a ton of money, but if by owning that call up there, it gives you the courage to kill, sell if we get back above $6 on D's corn, it, it kind of did its job for me. So, you know, it's, it's all about emotions and controlling those emotions. If those courage calls are a tool that helps you control emotions so you can sell, well, by God, it was a nice dip to buy those on. 
That's a great point. That's a great thought to consider there. Uh, looking at the activity in beans and corn, both on Friday, some of that spread trade between old and new crop. I wonder, is that an indication of some demand possibly coming into the market, Dwayne? I really think so. I, we haven't got that confirmation, right? We, we had the rumors earlier this week that China's in there buying uh, some corn and you know maybe some beans on the dip. And haven't really seen that daily sales announcement at eight o'clock, right? So we're in trades a little disappointed in that. However, boy, this trade action today sure acts like there was some export business done. I don't know who bought, but somebody did, you know, because we're leading in the front months, bull spreading, like you said. So you might not see a sales flash. Maybe it's next week's export sales. You see it, but there, there was some business done on the dip. And for me being a bull, that's what I've always been saying is that, you know, our, our stocks are tight enough. We should see good support on dip. So I think we did here. We'll find out maybe next week. I know there's been some farmers selling out there uh, here mm. in the last couple of weeks. When you look at basis just across the countryside, think about some of that farmers selling. How do things look to you? What are your thoughts there? I think what we saw is massive farmer selling when the calendar flipped to this year, 2023, early January, the trucks were flying and and the markets were good, um, you know, programs like yourself and everyone else is like, you know, these are good prices. I mean, that's what all of us were talking about, right, brokers? So I think the, the reason it waited till January was I think farmers wanted the sales in the next tax year, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, they were fine sales. They would have sold in December if they could have, but they wanted it bumped back. So, yeah, weather got better. I think there was a lot of green movement, a lot of corn, a lot of soybeans got sold. I think it started to dry up a little bit in February, but the basis pulled down a lot. The damage had been done. I mean, up here in my area, the basis is worse for soybeans than it was during harvest now. So, yeah, gun to my head, uh, <laughs> don't do what I do. Don't follow me and still have your soybeans. Wondering <laughs> if that can come back. Here's the thing is central Illinois basis really picked up now for soybeans the last couple of days here. That to me is a good sign and kind of a reminder of our old crop stocks are still very tight. Uh, I think basis will improve in the spring. You know, farmer selling is now going to dry up. So I think the basis does improve, but that'll be a location case by case deal. You know, if you had a big crop in your area last year, your basis won't improve as much as say my area where there was too much prevent plant last year. We just don't have the bushels here. So the basis will probably improve quite a bit. One other thought on corn and soybeans as well. I know this coming week, March World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report any thoughts ahead of that? Do you anticipate we could see some some surprising numbers there with, with the March report, Dwayne, ahead of, I know we'll have, yeah. you know, acreage intentions at the end of the month. Uh, what's your yeah. thoughts with this WASDE coming up? Yeah, the, the WASDE report coming up is probably slightly bearish for corn. You know, that that export demand, uh, i <laughs> sure I'm a bull, but boy, that, it just isn't showing up. And it was another poor week of sales this week. So, Probably we're going to see USDA lower export demand, 50, maybe even 75 million bushels. And that just gets added onto the end stock. So that old crop tight supply I keep talking about is actually growing a little bit. So I'm losing my bullhorns there a little bit in the corn market. On soybeans, it might, well, I want to say it's going to be interesting because of the Argentina drought. Because that drought is really massive and it just keeps getting worse. I, I, I think we have a real problem there. I think that production is going to keep decreasing. But USDA likes to slow play that, Jesse. And that's fine. That's probably the right thing to do. So they're probably not going to drop it as much as the trade would like to see, or at least the bulls would like to see. So you might see them drop Argentina corn and soybean production some, but not as much as the bulls want. So generally quiet report, which you usually get in March. Like you said, the, the big 
Fireworks will probably come the end of the month when you got the quarterly stocks report and that big planning Hager's intentions report. That's Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. We'll continue the conversation coming up after the break. Back with more Market Talk right after this. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a conversation today with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. And Dwayne, let's uh, talk a little bit about the wheat market. Fairly quiet end to the week uh, across wheat, Chicago, Casey, Minneapolis. I know these markets have, have had their damage done to the charts. We're back down, uh, you know, basically levels we saw before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, what's right. your thoughts with the wheat trade here as of late? I know there's some skepticism out there about the grain deal getting extended in Ukraine, uh, but right. still feels like that's not necessarily driving this market back to the upside. No, not not yet anyway. You're right. Uh, was it, I think, March 18th is when the current Black Sea grain export deal between Russia and Ukraine uh, ceases to exist or expires. For the most part, you know, a week ago, I would have told it, yeah, it's going to get extended. Russia needs it as much as Ukraine does, blah, blah, blah. There's starting to be just a little bit of question on it, isn't there, that maybe it doesn't get done. And when you stop and think about it, you know, what, what kind of season is Ukraine in right now? You know, they're like us. They're in, in their winter. Their winter wheat's growing. They're starting to plant a little bit of the spring 23 crop over there. Now, there's not a big flow of grain right now. So if Russia was going to put the pinch on them and maybe China wants to put the pinch on them. Now would actually be the time to do it. So I, I don't know if it gets done or not, but it, I just thought of that the other day, like hey, it wouldn't be, they can do it, you know, for a month or six weeks and it really wouldn't affect global trade much. But what it would affect Jesse is these funds that are massively short this wheat market. You know, they're short, maybe a hundred thousand contracts. We're not sure without the come up in a traders report, but if you're short and we're down, like you said, the levels before pre-war, I don't think you want to be short anymore if they close the export market down there. So I got friendly the wheat market here this week thinking we should be at a bottom and could bounce on that Ukraine uh, export deal ceasing at the eh, 18th of March, I think I said. How much has the lack of that CFTC data and now we're trying to get caught up? How much has that influenced this market as a whole, do you think, Dwayne? I, I don't know how much it changed and moved the market, but it sure is frustrated as hell, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's... I like that report. I learned quickly that the funds move this market. I can sit here and study and do research and talk to you till I'm blue in the face like I normally do because I don't shut up <laughs> about my ideas and where I think the market's going to go. But the funds are such big players. If they decide to exit a few contracts like they did the end of February, we crash point blank. The, you know, so I'm very frustrated that we aren't up to date on that report and, and honestly kind of questioning why we can't get caught up. It's really the one report and the one technology that hasn't increased in the 20 plus years I've traded. It's still the same report that comes out Friday afternoon as of Tuesday's night's close. We act as if we're still looking at the post-it and the, all the paper order tickets and have to shuffle them together. I don't quite see how we can't get up-to-date um, reports on that from the CFTC, but uh, 
on the COT report, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you can answer that one for me later. <laughs> I'll do some digging. I'll see if I can find an answer. I don't think I'm going to be able to find one either there. I don't think we're big enough to get the answers for that, but there's there's something going on there, and it frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I am with you on that as well. Well, we'll continue to watch volatility in grains and obviously be smart about your marketing decisions there. Let's move to livestock. Dwayne. This cattle market uh, waiting here on cash trade this week again. Uh, had that standoff at feedlot country. Uh, really robust day in live cattle, feeder cattle, which yeah. I, I found to be good, maybe encouraging, because it's felt to me the last couple of sessions that this cattle market's maybe getting a little tired up here at these high levels, Dwayne. Oh, you're 100% right. You know, we don't have news every day to move these markets. And we, it's important to remember that. So when a market runs up, like say the April fat cattle board, we get up to the 166 area. I think Feb went off, you know, 167 plus I get it. it you know, we get tired. Like you said, cash cattle only trade usually about once a week. And a lot of times it's Friday afternoon before the markets close. So, you know, we pause, we correct the overbought condition, things like that. And yeah, going into yesterday's close, I was a little nervous about this cattle situation. We, Broke a, you know, the 20-day moving average, which I like to think is big support. And so, yeah, looked a little tired. I like the word you used, but boy, a nice rally today. Turns out cash cattle is happening. Big surprise. That's probably why the market went up uh, as much as maybe $5 higher in the meat up here in the north. And look for that to continue, Jesse. There's going to be a premium for good, clean cattle. I shouldn't say good. They're all good cattle. But we've got some really muddy feedlots in Nebraska, like mm -hmm. horribly muddy, so horrible conditions. So they're just carrying a lot of extra weight, you would say. And the packers will know that and see that, and the buyers will discount those cattle, and they're going to pay a premium for the good, clean cattle. I shouldn't say good again. <laughs> they're all good. They're all good. They're all great. <laughs> but you're going to see those premiums for the north. So, yeah, watch the cash cattle trade. When you see a price, ask where they came from, because that will be a big difference moving forward this spring. I've heard some rumors of some trouble with early calving season in some parts of the north. Have you heard anything to that rumor, Dwayne? Actually, not much yet. Um, after last year's horrible spring, I, I, I'm learning to try to avoid cow-calf guys a little bit, not ask them how it's going. But no, I'll have to check in on that and report back to you. You know, the guys up this far north that are starting to calf usually have facilities because it, yep. it is pretty cold. You know, and we'll warm up quickly. When I had cattle, it was about March 7th or 8th is when we started. And it was always that last week of February, I was panicking, wondering what the heck I'm thinking because we had a snowstorm coming. It'll warm up and get better, but I'm not seeing that in the forecast, sadly. Very cold temps, so they're really going to have to watch at night for those little ones to be born. You don't want those frozen ears. We all know how they get docked. Mm -hmm. So we'll watch it close and have to report back to you how spring calving goes. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough there. Hog market, uh, just kind of quiet, you know, to wrap up the week again, maybe got some spillover support from the cattle complex. Uh, you know, I look at lead month April now and compare it with that mm -hmm. cash index. I, that's what I was wanting to watch you the last couple of weeks and slowly converging together here. It's just taking yeah. quite a bit of time to wane. It is. It is. And, and I think the futures market is doing the right thing by trending lower to go meet the cash. I, we're going to have more hogs coming into uh, slaughter than usual for this time of year. So it's not going to be the other way where cash is going to come up to meet the futures. Futures are probably going to have to keep trending lower, but that hog market has been so wild, Jesse, you know, uh, commission brokers always like to trade, right? But this is a, this is a commodity that I'm like, well, maybe we just stay the hell away from it's uh, been a little crazy, a little volatile, but yeah, if I'm, 
if I'm having to pick a position, it's actually to be a bear on this hog market, sadly, because the cash index is lower than the futures, like you said. Well, Dwayne, uh, we always appreciate the time and insight here. Uh, before we wrap it up, I'll uh, I'll leave the floor yours here. Any final thoughts you want to share? Anything else on your mind that uh, we need to think about here watching this market trade? Yeah, you know, back to the grain thing. Um, if you are like me and you're holding old crop and you've been bullish because you maybe missed out on some profit potential last couple of years, let this be a little bit of a wake-up call. Um you know, let's sit down and make some marketing plans because you're about to get busy. Believe it or not, it will get out there in the spring. And and as much of a bull as I am, Jesse, I do think this is a year to be an aggressive seller on the spring rally because with higher interest rates and possibly a bigger crop, we'll find out, you know, these prices could be sharply lowered by fall. So get your marketing plans done up this weekend, uh, watch some basketball and, um, Put them in place on Monday. <laughs> That's a good call. Good call. If folks need some advice, Dwayne, they want to reach out to you there at Bolt Marketing, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, if they got some questions on a marketing plan or what we're doing, they can call us here directly, 605-448-2365. And they can always check out our website at boltmarketingllc.com. Always great to catch up with you, buddy. Appreciate the time. Have a great one. And we'll talk to you again soon. Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Jesse. And once again, that is Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. Always a pleasure to uh, have him join us here on Market Talk as we wrapped up the week of trade on Friday. Let's take a look at those closing numbers for Friday's trade. Front month, March corn. We're in delivery of the March contracts. March corn was up seven and a half, six forty-five and a quarter. May corn up six, six thirty-nine and three quarters. July corn up four, six twenty-eight. New crop December corn up a half penny, five seventy-one. Soybeans for March up ten to three quarters, fifteen thirty and a half. May beans up nine and a half, fifteen eighteen to three quarters. July beans were eight higher, fifteen oh six. New crop November soybeans five and a half higher on Friday, thirteen seventy-three. Soybean meal March was up eight. 80 a ton, 498.10. May was up $9 a ton, 481.30. March bean oil was down 78 points, 60.61. May was down 71 points at 61.19. As we take a look over at the wheat markets, again, we saw the gains fade there. Chicago wheat, March, five and a half lower, 695 at three quarters. May down four, 708 and three quarters. July down three, 760 to three quarters. December Chicago wheat down two and three quarters, 743 and a half. Kansas City wheat March nine and three quarters lower, 822 and a half. May down nine and three quarters, 816 and a quarter. July down eight and a half, 808 and three quarters. December KC wheat eight lower, 819 and a quarter. Spring wheat March in delivery down two and a half, 868 and a half. May was three and a half lower, 872 and three quarters. July spring wheat three and a half lower, 869 and December down one and a half, 866 and three quarters. Oats, March, one and three quarters lower, 336 and a half. May oats down one and three quarters, 331 and three quarters. We see as well looking over at cotton futures on the day Friday. March cotton up 152 points, 84.37. May cotton up 46 points, 84.17. July up 38 points, 84.79. In the livestock trade, April live cattle up 132, 165.42. June live cattle up 122, 160.67. August live cattle up 117, 159.90. October up 107, 164.42 on Friday. Feeder cattle March up 142 at 190. April up 217, 196.02. May feeder cattle up 212, 295. And August up 197, 214.67. 
And in Lean Hogs, Friday, April up 70, 84.55. May up 57, 93.45. June Hogs, five higher, 162. July Hogs up 12 at 102.85. And as a look at how the market trade wrapped up on the day on Friday. All right, coming up next here before we wrap it up on Market Talk today, we're going to take a look at some of the news headlines in agriculture. Fertilizer prices have been coming down, but also the cost to borrow money has been going up with interest rates, etc. We're going to talk about that and more news headlines coming up after this. We're back with more Market Talk on the way right after the break. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, here to Market Talk today. Thanks for joining us. Jesse Allen back with you here in studios. We take a look at news headlines before we wrap up the show today. Well, industry leaders say fertilizer prices are easing, but farmers are facing volatility on other fronts, both regulatory and financial. The good news is some relief on fertilizer costs. Fertilizer Institute head, Corey Rosenbush. Fertilizer prices have come down. Farmers have definitely taken a wait-and-see approach as we approach the spring planting season. European nitrogen plants have restarted. China has slowly begun uh, exporting product. Russia trade flows have shifted and actually had a record year of exports last year. While fertilizer demand on high-planted acres and low stocks will remain strong. On the flip side are interest rates. This exchange between Iowa Republican Representative Randy Feenstra and American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duvall. Interest rates are crushing, and our young farmers, uh, whoever they might be, are going to feel the blunt of that worse than they've ever seen before if it continues to rise. I agree 100%, and there's no end in sight right now. And the feds have said this, that they don't know where this rate increases are going to end. And then there's regulation, including the new Biden EPA Waters of the U.S. or WOTUS rule. Our farmers feel like a ping pong ball going back and forth from one side of the table to the other, not being able to make long-term decisions based on what evidence we have. This new rule that came out in December it took it from a rule that was clear that we could understand to making it just muddy as muddy water. All that and a huge looming budget fight over soaring debt, deficits and in interest rates, and farmers and farm bill writers could be facing a perfect storm in 2023. Well, more perspective now on fertilizer prices trending lower. Jason Trundle, an economist with the Fertilizer Institute, says they are seeing a lower trend. We are seeing that kind of start to come down. I mean, really since I think last September or October, both P and K prices have been trending down. And then I think since a little before the end of the year, nitrogen prices have come down and, and they continue to come down a little bit now. So overall, I think we're just experiencing some general softness in demand and fingers crossed things have maybe stabilized a little bit on the supply side, which is all helpful in and of itself. An improvement on the supply side is a good thing because farmers haven't had a lot of stability there for a couple of years. No, we definitely have not. And so there seems like there was kind of one thing after the other. So there's still different things that are definitely weighing on the market currently, particularly, for example, on the nitrogen side, we've seen natural gas prices globally, especially in Europe, come back down into a little bit more of a normal range on the mild winter um, and the reduction in demand that was needed for heating and, and, and such like that. So I think all of that, as for the most part, has kind of helped. Commodity prices are still helping farmers acquire the inputs they need for this spring. We still see fairly robust and fairly strong output prices. 
And so when you look at kind of the ratio of output prices relative to fertilizer specifically as an input, I think that's still in a manageable range. And so I think there would be a floor. I say all that just to say that despite maybe softening a little bit in demand, we would expect that a lot of that product would still get put out based on the strong commodity markets that we're seeing. And Trundle says it's hard to know for sure if prices will continue lower. I think it's really difficult to make that prediction of exactly where it's going to go. Everybody wants to time it at the bottom of the trough, which is very difficult often to do. I mean, I think the things that we're continuing to watch that would indicate where it goes, obviously, are are those raw input costs. And so where does sulfur on the phosphate side, phosphate rock on the phosphate side, as well as, of course, natural gas on the ammonia side, if pressure keeps coming off those, I think that will help. It takes a little while for that to translate all the way through the market, of course. And then, you know, are there going to be any other significant geopolitical or trade disruptions? Again, that's Jason Trundle with the Fertilizer Institute. Well, one of the main metrics for railway service quality is unfilled grain car orders. A number of cars a shipper ordered but didn't receive. Danny Munch, American Farm Bureau Federation economist, says the data shows shippers are waiting a long time to get the grain cars they need. So far in 2023, average weekly unfilled grain car orders, one or more days overdue, have numbered over 16,000 a week. That's up 54% from last quarter and 54% the same magnitude from quarter one of last year. Of those record unfilled orders, one or more days overdue, almost 75% remain 11 or more days overdue. Munch says winter weather is the biggest challenge currently. Most of the issues we're seeing in unfilled orders are concentrated in the upper Midwest in states like North Dakota and Minnesota. The region has faced intense snowstorms in the first part of the year, which makes moving those cars more difficult. Those weather events are usually more short term, and we hope those subside as spring comes along. And he adds labor is another hurdle for railways. Most railroads are still below pre-pandemic employment levels by about 3 to 5 percent, which makes it difficult for them to increase capacity. Luckily, though, those numbers are still getting better, still better than the 10 percent below that they were about a year ago. And in order to improve service quality, they really need to be fully staffed and growing. You can read more on the Market Intel page at fb.org. Well, states seeking year-round E15 may request an emergency waiver for the 2023 summer driving season. The Environmental Protection Agency announced a proposal this week to allow year-round E15 in states that requested the waiver. However, the proposal delays implementation of the rule until 2024. Poet Energy spokesperson Joshua Shields says the proposal left unresolved concerns about access to the renewable fuel blend in 2023. Shields added, quote, the lack of near-term certainty underscores the urgent need to ensure E15 sales are not interrupted, end quote. Now, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds responded saying, quote, while long overdue, I am thrilled that the EPA has approved our multi-state bipartisan RVP waiver request that will pave the way for year-round E15 and bring certainty to the industry. End quote. Now, however, regarding the delay, Reynolds added, quote, I look forward to requesting another emergency waiver for this year, while at the same time asking the courts to require the administration to grant our request immediately. And finally, here on Market Talk today, just a reminder that USDA is encouraging farmers to finish the Census of Agriculture, taken only once every five years, looking at land use and ownership, operator characteristics, production practices, and much more. You can find details on the USDA website or contact your local uh, USDA center in your town and get information on getting that Census of Agriculture filled out. Thanks again to Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing for joining us here today. That is going to do it for Market Talk as always. Thank you for joining us. Busy week ahead as we'll be at Commodity Classic 
in Orlando, Florida. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.